Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Andy Little. So Andy, for our regular listeners, they don't know you. They're used to hearing Jenny's voice. Your voice is a little bit different than hers, and they're going to be a little suspicious here. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Andy. Tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Andy Little, and I'm uh, the EM Research Director at Doctors Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And thankfully, uh, Shwami invited me on to, to be part of this episode. Yeah, you know, Andy and I have met a couple of times at the teaching course and other courses that we've done, the podcast course, and we thought it'd be kind of fun to sit down and collaborate. Andy's already got his own podcast. He's got the EM Over Easy podcast, which if you guys haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend you checking it out. You know, and Andy, you can tell me if I'm wrong. It's not always clinical content. Nope. It's kind of some fun stuff. It's you and a couple mm-hmm. of friends that you were residents together, and now you guys still work together. Uh, and I just listened to one of your episodes today, and it's a good time. I mean, it, it's clear that you guys are having fun doing this. Yeah, it's really kind of just a, a manifestation of our friendship. We record in a diner, so if you don't like to hear the sound of food or don't want to feel like you have to eat, don't listen to our podcast because we have people <laughs> complain about that before. You know, I didn't think I would like it, but I kind of like the ambient noise of the fork on plate. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing in the background. Um, I, I kind of like it. There's a little bit of a gritty feature to it. It's nice to have a little bit of a break from the content, content, content we get hammered into us. Yes. So Andy, we've been told that sometimes we do a little too much chit chat. So let's drop into the content. Tell me what we're going to talk about today. Well, we're talking about something I love. Um, and with recent literature has come back into the spotlight and that being u- the use of Valsava in SVT. So I think we all remember years ago when we took ACLS, at least I do when I was in medical school and when I was a tech in the ED, that they would always get to the point in SVT and they would talk about trying vagal maneuvers before moving to chemical or electrical conversion. And we all remember that being presented as more of a give it a good old college try, knowing full well that it wasn't ever expected to work. And we all had some preceptors that would tell us about the one time they would see it work, but didn't routinely use it on a regular basis. But luckily, since the fall of 2015, we've had hope in regards to its use and how we treat SVT. I completely agree with you. I have seen patients break with Valsalva, but it is like the case report kind of stuff. It's anecdote more than it's actual evidence. My favorite one was the patient who broke when we started the IV. That was enough Mm -hmm. of a painful stimulus to break their SVT. So it does happen, but you're right. It doesn't happen nearly as much as we'd like it to. And I think the literature teases that out too. The literature tells us that Valsalva is not very successful. So tell me what you're going to talk about. What is this new approach that we can use? So it all came out in the revert trial, um, and it's allowed us to, as as emergency providers, to treat something serious without having to do anything extra special like we talked about. There's no lines. There's no medicine. It's low cost. And in reality, it's just really coaching our patients on how to treat themselves. So the revert trial, like you said, it's been out for a couple of years. It's made the rounds around foam, but we thought we would bring it up again today. They took patients who were in SVT, and we're not talking about AFib or A-flutter. We're really talking about AV nodal reentry tachycardias. They had two treatment arms for the study. Treatment arm one was just a basic Valsalva maneuver, the ones that you guys do now. So blow into a straw, bear down like you're having a bowel movement. And then the other group had the modified Valsalva, having the patient blow 40 millimeters of mercury of pressure for 15 seconds. And then that was followed by laying the patient flat and bringing the legs up. And we'll drop a video link in the show notes on how to do this. They were looking at their primary outcome, which was one minute success rate after the intervention. And in two decent sized arms within the study that each had 214 patients, they saw an absolute increase in success of about 26.2%. And those who use modified Valsalva with a number needed to treat of just three. And as Swami, as you know, there aren't many things that we do in the emergency department that have a number needed to treat of three. Yeah, I actually spent some time trying to think of things with an NNT of three. Uh, so a Band-Aid, 
a Band-Aid uh, has an NNT of about one. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, let's see. NNT of three. Yeah, I, I really, there's not much out there. You know, we talk about some of the standard treatments we do, like aspirin and ACS. The NNT ain't three for that one. Uh, we think yeah. about things like TPA. I'm not sure what the NNT is. What's that little eight on its side? Is that the infinity sign, I think? The point here is that an NNT of three is really robust. And remember, this is free. There's no money involved here. So, Andy, I think it's all well and good to discuss the technique and talk about it in the study. But let's do the translation here. You've been doing this now for a couple of years. What's your experience? Uh, I have to admit that since Revert came out, I've had a a fair share of these. In fact, residents know that when they come in the door, they actually come grab Dr. Little because they know I love to take care of them. And I actually have a success rate of about 50% on the first try. Um, it maybe goes up to 75% because I'll try this a couple times with people to make sure that they're coached appropriately. And when it's worked, it's really fun to watch. The nurse kind of gives you this, again, the voodoo kind of look because you're like, hey, we're not going to push medicine. Don't start an IV. Almost as if, again, they're back in ACLS thinking this isn't going to work. And then it happens, and it's like magic. The patients are happy. Their families are happy. And then they get to go home sooner than if I have to give them chemical medicine. But on the other hand, always remember that this doesn't work sometimes. That's the other kind of side of this is that residents get, at least I've seen that residents get really confident and know that, hey, this is going to work. But don't forget, you still have to put them on the monitor. You want to have everything at the ready. So have your medicine out. Make some orders. Get, get things ready to start an IV when it doesn't work. My success rate hasn't been quite as high as yours. I'm about one out of four. But, you know, I still think it's worth it to have the one out of four. That's way higher than I was with Valsalva before. So this is definitely advantageous over what I was doing. And the way that I've integrated into what I do is while the nurse is getting everything together, getting the medications, bringing over the cart, getting the stuff for the IV, I try this out. If it works, great, we're done. If it doesn't, they're ready to start the IV and then we can go ahead with meds or go ahead with electricity. Now, we both mentioned medications. So, Andy, if this doesn't work, so in the 50% of patients where the revert method didn't succeed, what are you going to for your medication of choice? Are you an adenosine guy or are you a calcium channel blocker guy? I have to admit, I'm a big fan of calcium channel blockers. They don't have the I'm just going to die sensation that patients complain of with the adenosine. Um, I have to admit that I still do give adenosine because I want residents to gain confidence in the use of that medicine. But my first choice of medicine is the calcium channel blocker. I train almost solely with adenosine. You know, we don't even have verapamil around, and it was not used in my department for conversion here. So adenosine's all I had experience with. But then I talked to these guys outside of the States, and they're like, oh, you can use DILT instead of verapamil if you've got that. And they've all talked about having excellent success with it. So I've started to go over to it. And Andy, you know, the, the time that I really started was when I've had a couple of patients that came in. They've had AVNRT before. They've gotten adenosine before. And when I tell them, oh, you're back in this rhythm, we're going to give you a medication. It'll break it. They're like, it's not the adenosine medication, right? So they were already knowing what the response was, how they were going to feel, and they didn't want it. In fact, one of them told me, just do electricity instead, because that's what they did last time, and I don't want that drug. So they would rather be procedurally sedated and electrocuted than getting adenosine. And that, to me, was a signal that maybe I should be looking at something else. I have used diltiazem instead. I've had great success with it. There's always this thing in the back of our heads, oh, we're going to unmask the patient's underlying cardiomyopathy. We're going to put them in cardiogenic shock, but these are pretty rare events as well. So I think it's okay to go with the calcium channel blocker instead. And like I said, I've had pretty good success with it. Yeah. And I think another point that you brought up that's good is it's okay to shock these patients. If you give them appropriate pain medicine and with sedation. And again, as you mentioned, some of them would prefer that to getting adenosine. All right. So Andy, how about before we wrap up, you hit us with some take-home points. So the big thing is remember that the modified Valsalma is safe and efficient. 
It's free, like we mentioned before. A couple big things to remember, though, is if you don't have the sphingomanometer set up, as mentioned specifically in the trial, you can have similar success with having the patient try to blow the stopcock out of a 10 ml syringe. And then also it's big help to have a second set of hands when doing this, whether it's a tech, whether it's a resident, whether it's a nurse, to help the patient with the, the leg raise because that seems to be one of the bigger issues patients have of not being able to raise their legs high enough. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks. And see you all next week.